Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Kia ora and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. It's Test Match time. And I'm super excited. The boys are super excited. The All Blacks versus Argentina. A lot of chat about that in this episode. Can the All Blacks win over there first up and foremost? And who will it be? And how will they decide who their Rugby World Cup squad is? How will they play the next five weeks and five tests out? We'll see about that also. Australia versus the Springboks. The Springboks have got a split squad. Australia's got Eddie Jones. There's plenty to chat about there. Of course, the Black Ferns toweling Australia and then heading to Canada and the under-20s as well, where a few concerns about the New Zealand team after being beaten up by the French. What I can say is it's a very big surprise for all of you on the show and a wonderful, wonderful thing to have Bryn Hall mm. in studio, oh. the international mm. man of mystery, <laughs> right here. Oh, it's good to be back, lads. It's good to see you, Mel, mate, back in the flesh. So I thought he was going to say the surprise was I wasn't wearing a Barfoot and Thompson polo. I was. But, <laughs> I, I was surprised to be back under. I didn't get from the open home. Yeah. I came from the golf course to here this yeah. time, you know. So. Well played. Yeah. yeah the, the bank account's still working. Yeah, 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 you got you got to get it. you got to get it. <laughs> That's good to be back there, lads. Good to be back. Nice to have you back. And of course, James Parsons. Yeah, yeah. Here as ever. Yeah, yeah, very, very well. See him pulling his weight. You know, he's not on the screen. I probably should have just done it from home today. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Let the big fella have his moment in the sun. He told us he'd be looking sharp when he got back. He's even wearing a polo. I reckon it's the first time you've ever worn a polo. Yeah, and I just thought I'd just kind of come in. I I see Jip Mill, mate, every single time wearing a polo. So um, I've kind of just followed followed suit and. Yeah, the polo look nice for the lads. Yeah, that's right. And then you guys just talk golf, so it kind of fits. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's we could talk for about half an hour on yeah. that. Yeah. So. Yeah. What did you shoot? 100? Abs- yeah. Oh, 94. King Lock so, got oh. beaten up, absolutely <laughs> beaten up at King Lock, so yeah. nah, no good. As much as the people want to know about that. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are five games until the Rugby World Cup, and there is plenty for New Zealand to do. Plenty, considering the last few years. And probably we don't have all the answers heading into a World Cup year about who is going to be playing where, which is always a concern. Most teams have got a pretty dyed-in-the-wall attack by then if they're going to win a World Cup. So let's start there. Brenner, Mm. five games until the World Cup. Which positions are up for grabs in the All Blacks 23? And who will get their shot there this weekend? Yeah, it's a really good point. I think um, you look at the number six period. We've talked about it a lot with, obviously, Frizzell, Akira Ioane previously in the past. But um, I'm actually back in now to get a shot this week. He'd be one guy that I'd probably be playing at six with quite an experienced back line that we've had, sorry, experienced forward pack that we've had probably last year. And then you talk about the outside backs. Um, are they going to start shooter? Um, are they going to put Bowden Barrett with Richard Wong and getting that cohesion going into the World Cup? 
Um, you're probably thinking, I'm thinking it's the way they're going to go, having Barrett and Moanga do that for the next um, five or six test matches. But um, yeah, those are probably the two areas that I'm looking at. I'm thinking Finau at six and possibility of Sean if he's going to be making his debut this week. I'm not too sure. Obviously, Cam Royguard, I think, might be on the bench as well for his debut. The Sean Stevenson factor is a big question, isn't it? Can he play if he's not starting mm. in this 23? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that we, we always say that that 23 man is a key role in terms of covering the midfield outside. So um, you'd have to probably think McLeod's sitting pretty for that, that 23 spot because he can literally play um, mm. all those positions outside 10. Um, so he, he's he's looking good for that spot. But I think it's now or never with Sean. Like um, you know, a few things are falling his way. If you think you know, called in for injury for Mark Talia. Mark Talia looks he's travelled, so it looks like he's coming back. Um, you know, and then obviously a few other boys have been sent home. It's almost like it's it's his opportunity, it's his time. And <clears throat> I think if it's going to be um, now, I think fi finding them that opportunity away from home will give them confidence that, say, someone does go down in the World Cup, that he's had that moment in the sun. Um, you know, it's a, it'll be a tough atmosphere, and he's just in red hot form, like. You look at the way he stood up in that final series, like him as an individual, that was some of the best footy. Um, he's, I think it is the best footy in terms of the pressure, the occasion, and what he delivered um, in all facets of his game. Um, I think he'll be in the 15 jersey. You think he'll start? I do, yeah. Wow. Um, I do, they don't need to see any more of Bodie. Yeah. Like they, that will be the combination, Richie and Bodie, I have no doubt. But I think this weekend, they know what Bodie can do. I think Sean, I just think all the ducks are falling into a row. Yeah, if they weren't going to play him, surely they would have sent him with the All Blacks 15, right? I think so. And I think for the fact that, um, obviously, like Jip said, things are kind of falling into place for him to have an opportunity. And I think I agree with Jip in the sense that, you know, Bowden Barrett, we've seen him at 15. They've been through that for a lot of years around the combination with Richie. You can, on the other side of it, you could talk around the cohesion. There's only five test matches, but I think you know what you're going to get with Bodie. And I think giving an opportunity for a guy like Sean, that very very similar to like Smith and Fina, where I think you know he's playing rich reign of form, get him in there straight away with an experienced forward pack, and he can just go out and do what he's done at Super Rugby level. So, yeah, I think if there's going to be a time that you unleash Shooter, um, it's all dependent on how he's going in camp. From all regards, he's having a really good camp and they're getting a good insight to what he is and his training habits. But yeah, I agree. I think they should go with Shooter, I think, at fullback. But for me, personally, I think they'll stick with Bodie. For the weekend. For the weekend. And that basically leaves Sean Stevens Tricks. high and dry. Not high Not and dry. Not really, because the experience he'll get in Tricks. terms of the preparation and understanding that, and by all accounts, he's made every post a winner. So it's definitely not high or dry. Um, and maybe they see opportunity at some other stage in the, the, the series. But... I don't know. I, I think I think the time is now and, and put him in the 15 jersey. It's a big test match. But I think in the past we would have gone overseas and said, well, we're going to Argentina, we can afford to try a few people, and they would have swept people we'll in and out. Yeah, though, we'll, I don't know, we'll just because there's so such a limited opportunity. Like, yeah. if, like, there is quite a lot of new names in here. Like, you're yeah. going to have to see them before you go to a World Cup to know what you need and want in that 33 mm, mm. Um, and I think you want to start building momentum into the latter stages of that uh, the early pool games you know so those sorts of Bledisloe Cups <coughs> that last rugby championship that extra Bledisloe Cup and then the game up in um, England 
I think, a consistent sort of 23. Yep. You don't want to be doing too many opportunities then, I don't think. Because you start against France, there is no room to move, is there? You have to nail it against the box in the last warm-up. Well, that's it. I think, look, if we had it our own way, we would have loved to have more cohesion and getting really solidified around what we're wanting. Let's talk about, we'll talk about the midfield, loose forwards. And there's always this form of, I guess, positions that you want to be able to be really strong in. But I think, for examples of, like, shooter and outside backs, um, like I said, we know that, they're probably going to go with Barrett, that's what I believe, but guys that you need to try to get them in now, give them an opportunity and saying, look, you've passed the asset test and then now we can make a selection base around the 33 if we think you're ready for the World Cup moving forward. All of these names that we've mentioned, what do they bring to add to the New Zealand squad that wasn't there last year? What were the All Blacks doing last year that needs to be improved, Brent? Well, I think Finau, I think we've talked about it, especially in that finals period around um, the loose four trio and what the breakdown's going to be needed, especially against France and the Irish. I think the ability of being able to, to clean rucks and that breakdown is a continued thing that I think the All Blacks have wanted to improve on. Jason Ryan's talking about it openly around against Argentina last year. When we didn't get our body height right and we didn't get our contact right, we lose test matches. So uh, we talked about it a little bit at Super Rugby, that an, an improvement with some teams, especially the Chiefs and the Crusaders. I definitely think that's one area. And I think our kicking game and getting that balance um, around when do we kick, how do we build pressure, and then going from there. But I think those are two areas that I think are pretty important for us moving forward. Form. Honestly, I think most of these players and our key leaders are in great form, especially in that front front pack, the, the, the whole eight, um, is, is a big factor. And there's a lot of confidence. You know, there's not as much rugby this year, so you've got to be slick, focused, really sharp. I think, you know, that edge is already... Um, there and, and I suppose that leadership group's really wanting to drive that. And then secondly, I think more time under Jace Ryan. Like he had a big impact mm-hmm. in a short period. Um, you know, apart from maybe falling off England, he, he's had a pretty clean, clean record, yeah. and he's had a whole season to prep. Um, and I was fortunate enough to go into the camp on Friday, and there was a lot of tired um, forwards just from a big session of um, you know working on the on the on the contact arts, let's say. Yeah. So um, it won't be anything, there'll be no reinventing the wheel. It will be very, um, I'd say, very direct and, and scripted in this first few weeks. I could see you watching Maul D practice with popcorn, <laughs> just loving it. <laughs> they, Tough session. I, I, was, I, was in a, I was just in the meetings afterwards, to be honest, but I just, re- I was looking around the room and I just remember being that guy, you know, after a big long session and you get put in a meeting room and you're just like, so blasé, you're just absolutely, the tank is absolutely empty. Um, and I think everyone that was delivering knew that because they were just getting through getting through their slides. But um, no, they're, they're definitely putting the work in uh, prior to going to Argy, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. I do think Jace Ryan, though, I know make a bit of a joke about it, but I think he's he's got a lot of energy. He would have put so much work in. Um, I think he will bring a lot of improvement. I'm glad you brought that up. Because we've got a question that goes along those lines yeah. from Mr. Carl Sanders from YouTube. The World Cup won by Maul and Maul D. Defence, breakdown and discipline? Question mark. That is his question. It's, it's, I think that's, that's the it. international game. That's where it is. Yeah. Yeah. You look at before Jason Roy came in and um, around the line-out defence, around us being able to let tries in, you know, since he's been there, has it been a line-out more try scored? Mm. You know, so that area is going to be really important, especially in the Northern Hemisphere with your French, um, your Irish, and even more so your English side. Um, it's very dominant around this set piece, and so um, Jason Wright will continue to keep getting better at that. But then also the breakdown here, we've talked it the last two years around us being better in that space. And so you'd like to think it'd be a, a consistent improvement and being able to continue to keep getting better at that. Because if we don't get that right, we've shown in the past that we lose test matches if we don't win the breakdown area. Oh, I mean, you just have to look at the Chiefs in the Super Rugby final. You know, that discipline just. Yep 
put them behind the, and that'll be the same in this national level. You know, Ben O'Keefe is international level, and that will be no different up there. I do think you can simplify it into the two, as in, you know, the mall and the breakdown are the two key, and discipline's there, but rather than having discipline as a third, it's if you get this right and you're accurate, discipline won't be a factor because you're not going to give away the penalties. So it'll be a byproduct of being very, very good both sides of the ball in, in, in the mall and the breakdown. Mm. Yes. So if it's won by Maul, D and breakdown, if you're looking around the world right now, Bryn, based on those two things, how do you rank the international sides? Defensively or...? Um, yeah, d through all of those three things combined. Well, I think you'd have to think, obviously, you know, the French side, very, very good. You know, big men um, that are good in around that space. Um, they've also got a lot of bit, of bit of a ride in their line-out attack as well, whether that's off the top or more so just their line-out more in specials. And I think most... Um, international teams have those kind of special plays, but you know the top two in the world, uh, the French and the Irish. I think the Springboks are pretty dominant around that um, line-out more. Um, they always have been traditionally, uh, but I think more so the French. I'd say, you know, they'd probably be the best all around. And probably represents why they're you know one or two in the world at the moment. Mm. I'm probably going to overcomplicate things here. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. Um, but it's definitely those two. But it's also what you can do off the back of that, and I do think. Um, the Springboks probably don't have that um, instinct attack mm. that at the moment the French through DuPont and Gibson Park with Ireland have and the fact that players can sort of feed off them um, and you know, intermark as well. Mm. Um, you know, whether Sexton's going to be there, not too sure around his injury, but he's another player. So those two players are key in terms of, and I think we all hate this word, eyes up footy, but if we get that right, in terms of that breakdown and the mall stuff. And I, I say both sides of the ball, it's not just mall D, you get your mall attack right, because that will create the opportunity for the guys that we're talking about to, to yep. put guys away. So get that right, and then it's, it, it, then it's the battle of the halves, and the, may the best halves win. And, and at the moment, that's probably, um, you know, you'd have to say the French. Yep. Um, you know, the Ireland are right there, don't get me wrong, but in terms of instinct, being at home, the French are, you know, red hot favourites. Yep. Mm. I'm looking forward to the YouTube comments oh, yeah. up. <laughs> the Springboks have been like we've been picking the Springboks, have we? I think yeah. if they can't admit that, you know, they're not at that level yet in yeah. terms of that instinct, you know, attacked, mm -hmm. yeah. um, then, you know, oh, well, we'll agree to this. Yeah, yeah, well, they, they can score a try out wide. Do we know that? But they when they do, can, yeah. when they do. And they've got a great, yeah. you know, I, I suppose that kick-pass game, and they, they've got it all there, mm. and that's why we're saying they're, they're one yeah. to be considered, but... You know, I would put the French, and the Irish fans are going to slate me for that as well because previously we haven't given enough credit apparently to Ireland. So <laughs> yeah. can't please everyone, Ross. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. One thing I learned. Well, we find out what happens with Johnny Sexton. That changes everything. Yeah. For oh yeah. Uh, oh, if he's not there. Massive, yeah. massive. So yeah, that's that's going to be a nerve-wracking, nail-biting. What happens with Johnny Sexton? I don't know what the latest is on that. But for the Kiwi fans, he doesn't play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, either either way. Ireland and South Africa are the lineup for the All Blacks in the quarterfinals. So it's going to be interesting mm. to see how those team, two teams play. I reckon they'll want them to play. You know, like it's sort of like that, you know, you, want to, you don't want them to have an excuse. You want to mm. turn up front up and, mm. and beat everyone at their very best. Yeah, it's fair. And to make a massive statement, you know, like I think there's a, there's a lot of wounds there. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they'll, they'll definitely want him on that part. Mm. Yeah. Rinse and repeat from 2019. Yeah. The same wounds, the same player, and it's happened again. Yeah.
Mm. Let's look at Argentina for this weekend. Michael Checker, obviously, they've, they've had some wins. They had the win in Australia, they had a win in New Zealand last year. Now they need to get their first win against New Zealand in Argentina. He says that they've got the confidence across the board, never mind against the All Blacks. He said that what they've done with winning those games is have confidence that they can walk into any game mm. and, and do what they need to do. Um, is this a real possibility this weekend that it's not a win for the All Blacks? I think we'd be um, very naive to think it's as much of a prerequisite as it mm. previously was, mm. especially after what happened in Christchurch. Like statistically, and everything in that game show, says the All Blacks should have won and won convincingly, but through discipline of not getting the breakdown right or the more right, gave them the opportunity for three. So we're going full circle with the chat, but yeah. <laughs> those two areas are going to be massive, um, and especially the pressure of the, the situation. Um, you know, around um, being away from home and, and, you know, how elevated that intensity will be. Mm. Um, but the one thing that makes me nervous, and he may be doing an Eddie Jones here, and look, let's make it about me, take the pressure off the players, you know, it, it, and that, even like a Russi, you know, like they do, there are coaches that do that very well. What concerns me is they've sort of been the silent assassins previously. Mm. And when these sorts of things come out, like sports people are funny people, man. It doesn't take much to just put something on the wall yep. that irks you and it is just motivates you out of your skin to just prove that one comment wrong that may even be out of context. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But they, they look for it. They look for things like this and I just thought, man, I would have just kept my powder dry mm. yeah. personally. Yeah. Yeah, oh, Michael Checker and the All Blacks have never kept their powder. <laughs> no, like, whether no. It's Steve Hansen that's what I'm saying. Is, is he caught in that Wallabies mindset yeah. as where he's making these comments? Or is he tactfully trying to do a Russi or an Eddie to yeah. take the pressure off the players? Mm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Mm. Um, but that will be well documented. <laughs> uh, from my experience talking to Michael Checker, is he's just a hard-on-his-sleeve guy. Mm. You ask him a question... He gives you an answer. He, he, he doesn't play games sort of in the same way that Hanson and Jones do, where, mm. you know, he, what he says today might not be his truth tomorrow, but it's his truth today. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's what makes him such a, a yeah. character, you know? you know? So the messages that come out through him, um, out to the media, like it can work good for you or bad for you. Just talking about keeping, keeping your powder dry. Some other people might think, what a great way to motivate your team. Yeah. And so he has that element of his coaching. And so Does it motivate them or does it put pressure on them with the expectation? Because the expectation yeah. wasn't there previously. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm questioning yeah. is mentally now, he's saying they all expect to win. Mm -hmm. Do they? Or are we trying to convince ourselves we expect yeah. to win? You know, like, because the mental game is massive. Yeah. Like, there's the physical aspect, which I believe is 10% of it. Yeah. Yeah. 90% of it is the mental game. Yeah. Yeah. And whether people play it or not, you need yeah. to have a plan around it because it can be yeah. detrimental to your opportunity of winning. Don't create too much expectation on yeah. yourself because what happens if you get behind by quite a few, like they did in Christchurch, mm. but because they had nothing to lose and no one expected anything, you know, they chip away and then they get their yeah. result. Like, that's their, that's their secret weapon, is that other teams don't expect them to do what they do, yep. I, I believe. One of the things that could be in their favour is that the New Zealand players have all been playing under the Super Rugby law interpretations in and around the breakdown, whereas the Argentine players, in the most part, have not been. We've had a question from Nathaniel M on YouTube. He, he thinks that 
the breakdown is over-policed in Super Rugby in comparison to international rugby, and he wondered whether that is going to be detrimental to New Zealand when they head into this huge year where you're going to be playing a lot of northern teams come the World Cup. So, is that something that you think that will set the New Zealanders back this weekend? Not necessarily. It depends who the ref is, mm. really. You know, if it's the Northern Hemisphere, I, I just don't think it's really... I'm going to sound, yeah, it's not. It's not, I yeah. don't believe. But also, I'm going to sound ridiculous here when I say this, but I'm going to say it because I believe it. The best players in the world adapt to the ref, Correct. Yeah. not the laws. Yeah. And it's the ref's interpretation of those laws that you adapt to. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't, you'll get punished. It's got nothing to do with rules. Yeah. Because they change every week. Yeah. Like yeah. The application of them changes yeah. every week. And just on that, there's so much homework done now around the, ref the week before or even the week of who, who the referee is going to be, what his trends are. It might be, you know, um, Piper, for example, mm. his biggest penalties in parts of the game are this, not rolling away, or the jackal. If you're off your, if you're off your feet, you're going to be penalised. So as players, you're actually pretty well educated around what the trends are. But coming back to Jeff's point, you're on that field, you look at the Chiefs for that example against the Blues, they would have all would have had all the opportunities to know how Ben O'Keefe is, how he how the way to address him, what the penalty trends were, but you still get it wrong. You still gotta go out there with all the emotion, with all the decision making in a big pressure situation to be able to adapt and get it right. Mm. You know, so I agree with Jip, I actually don't think it's the refs, it's been able to get the players, it's your responsibility to understand situationally how to approach the ref what the trends are, what your penalties are going for in the time of when, you've, uh, when you're in the game, and then making decisions and, being, and executing really under pressure is the best way to do it when coming talking to refs. There is no shortage of experience in that All Blacks pack or backline. There's a lot of experience there. Like Even the young guys like Jordi and Rico have been around for four or five mm. years in that team. They should be able to do that. Oh, 100%. I don't think there's a question of it. And I, I, I honestly think this coaching group has spent a lot of time prepping and planning for this mm. and are pretty clear in their minds they are going to declutter. This will be a very simple mm. game plan. It will be all about winning collisions and putting the ball in the right parts of the field. Yep. And then outside of that, take our opportunities when we get it. Yep. I don't think there'll be a lot of clutter. It, it'll be a very simple week as a player in mm. terms of what you've got to deliver. Mm. Yep. It's interesting you say that. Eddie Jones is on the record talking about what the Wallabies are going to do. Mm. And the Wallabies sounds like they're going to bring it right back to something really simple. Three breakdowns. If you haven't done what you need to do, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Yep. But I think on that, look, you even look at the trends in, in Super Rugby, you look at that final, um, you know, for the uh, the Chiefs and the Crusaders, both of them kicked over a thousand metres because you don't want to play inside your field and mm. probably the one... Especially in those conditions, yeah. like it was very dewy. Yeah, but I think with the Australians, we've talked about a lot, their decision making of when to have the ball and when not to have the ball. You know, they have that ability where they, weren't, they played in that no man's land for long periods of time and they weren't getting any pay out of it, weren't getting scoreboard pressure and then, you know, might be two tries quickly off the back of that and not playing where they should be. So I think the trend at the moment, especially in, you'd have to think, international footy is your decision making of when you kick and when you attack has mm. been able to get that right. And I think for the Australians, that's particular one here, I think that they've got, a little get, got to get a lot better. I think their attacking side, they bring a lot of um, question marks and been able to have, ask a lot of questions on the attacking side. But the decision making of kicking the ball along and backing your defence to build pressure is, um, is probably one important thing that they need, they need to get right. I think it can be a weapon for them though, because if you look at Super Rugby, I think James O'Connor, Reese Hodge, um, and a couple of halfbacks at times, they are the best at executing a 50-22. Mm. Especially James O'Connor, man. Like, he was seriously good in that quarterfinal. It was a big part of him 
you know, his game that allowed the Reds to be right in that. So they've definitely got the ability to play that kicking game, but I think Bryn's right. Like, don't give yourself to three and maybe, you know, there's four in the backfield and you still try to kick. Yeah. You know, like, so it's just making sure you kick on your terms. Um, and I'm sure it, Eddie Jones, you know, he's probably not watching this, but if he was, he's like, you're <laughs> mate. I'm not even giving them three, of course, yeah. it's about that. But just so I suppose the viewers that don't understand that, you know, it'll be a general rule of thumb, but if the pitch is not there, don't kick, yeah. Yeah. just good ball away. Yeah. The stat that he was throwing around is that 75% of tries are scored in the first three phases these days, so why bother? Mm. Mm. And why waste energy? Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with them, especially in parts of the field. Mm. Like I say it all the time on here, between those two 40s, why, why you'd play any more than three rucks. Um, you know, kick on your turns, absolutely. Mm. But if you can kick it first ruck, second ruck, and you're not getting where you want to, you know, go to your kick. It can be an attacking kick, it can yeah. be a long kick, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the, you know, pitcher is. But conserve that energy of your mm. big boys for when it's small D. Yeah. When you're on your line defending, you know, breakdown after yeah. breakdown. 100%. Um, it's just, you know, it's smart. <clears throat> mm. They've got powerful ball carriers. They've got good kickers. They've got the people to, to nail that game plan. Yeah, absolutely. They do. And that's, you know, I think the Achilles heel, we are just pretty much just touched on it, around being better around the decision-making of where you play with the ball. Because, you know, you could play... You know, 25 minutes of having really good um, position, um, asking a lot of questions, but not getting that scoreboard pressure. But then through having that ball so for so long, such long periods of time, get a penalty, two line out malls, score try, because you've exerted so much pressure. And you know, it's not to say that they're not fit enough and they're not going to be able to do that, but the capability that you need to be able to stay engaged in those moments. It might be one time you knock off, you don't get the right entry within your line out mall gets an All Blacks, and they score a try because yep. you're fatigued. You know, so it's been able to use their energy, and they've got some great ball carriers, man, that they're able to really win the breakdown, and they also do have the attacking ability as well. They don't want to fall away from obviously playing with the ball because they do have so many, um, I think their, their face play attack is really good when they get it right. So conserving energy at times and getting that kicking game right, if they can balance that nicely, Eddie Jones is talking about it, it'd be really good for them in that World Cup and Rugby Championship. They, they are, mate, everyone's nervous about the Wallabies mm. at the moment. I reckon every nation is. Mm. They've got the right side of the draw, they've got a coach that you know, will leave no stone unturned and, and gives people the belief they can do it and has always has that ability to change a squad into a winning squad, at, you know, really fast. Yeah, he's proven it. He's had his hands on a, a, a wide group of players. Um, you know, like they're, they're in a great little spot. Doesn't even really matter how they go in this rugby championship, I don't believe. Mm -hmm. I think they can build, um, you know, nicely into this World Cup um, that will give them the ability to still go on and win it. Mm. That's the key thing about the rugby championship, isn't it? Because... Only one team has won the Rugby Championship and then gone on to win the World Cup. <laughs> Only once. That's Rugby Championship or the Tri-Nations. And that was the Springboks last time. What they did last time in order to do it was split their squad in two. And so then go back to back weeks, they put a bunch of young guys with a bunch of experienced guys and then went from week to week. And they're doing it again. It looks like it'll be Lacanio Arm and Dwayne Vermeulen is their, their captains over that time. And we're likely to see a relatively experienced squad play the Wallabies this weekend. Guys like, you know, LaRue, you've obviously got the front row, which they've got a million front rowers. You know, um, they've got guys like Corpus Reinach, who they can bring in from, from Europe. They, they've got a good-looking squad, potentially, to play the Wallabies this weekend. They're so smart <laughs> in the way that they approach stuff, you know. They, they push the, the boundaries, yep. but they're smart. And... They're going with the same theory and they're going to try to end up in the same place. Well, it's a theory that you know, has worked in the past. And what it, and what it does do, it, it builds your whole squad. 
and we've seen in a lot of World Cups that you know the, th the 33 that are selected, um, you know the run up before them, building that cohesion to be able to have meaningful minutes is really important. You know we've talked about guys that we want to see play, but because we want to win and being able to have consistency performance we don't have the opportunity to be able to do that. So mm. what it does do, it gives experienced guys, you get the young guys and they get to play in, in different parts of that rugby championship. So then the, the common goal, which you can probably see in South Africa now, is winning a World Cup and this is what they see. Guys are going to get opportunities, experienced young guys, and it's a great way to do it. Whether that comes off in the short term around winning a rugby championship, not too sure, but I think for the World Cup preparations, it's, it's a great theory and a great way to be able to use your whole squad. I think that's what we're getting at previously about giving guys opportunity early against RG. Um, for, for the All Blacks as well. Like, it creates competition, um, you know, it gives you the ability to see guys, but then I have no doubt that that won't be happening with the last two tests before they go into, um, you know, they're on the tough side of the draw as well. So I, I think it's smart, but it's logical giving guys opportunities early because I don't think there's much as much riding on the rugby championship as there is in the World Cup. So I think all sides will do it. It might not be as blatantly obvious as that, but mm. I think... There'll be a there'll be a lot tried in there. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. These first two tests for all sides. I think that's what I like about the Springboks is that they're pretty much, they just put it out there. This is who we are. This is how we do it. They face different circumstances, yeah. though, to like an Australian or the All Blacks in terms of player availability. Mm. Yes. Clubs all around the world. So they have to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not a, I don't think it's a ploy or a game. It's like, well, we can't get this player now. You know, if we can save a week here, then well, let's blood this guy, you know. And they, they're great at it. They're methodical. And that's probably why they're the best at it, because they've been forced into it mm. um, in terms of their eligibility laws and, and selection for the Spring Rocks. So I think, I think that you know, enables them the confidence to just do it yeah. because they've got to. Mm. And when you talk about the style of modern rugby, Brennan, that kind of, if you don't get it done early, get rid of the ball, they can't, that's kind of their game. And they, they've <laughs> made it that way. It is, but, you know, they have also adapted as well. The Northern Hemisphere, um, when they went up when they went up north, they showed an exciting brand of rugby. You obviously had a few injuries at 10, and obviously Willemstad, when he was at 10, they changed their, their game plan style mm. to be able to try and play attacking footy. So whether they they stick to that and they, whether they want to try and run and, I guess, continue their growth in that leading into the rugby cup, running the ball, because we both know, we all know here, they can go to set piece more, they can do your box kicks, they can starve you with the high defence and putting teams under pressure. But I think what I have liked is they can, if they want to run the ball, have they had enough time that they've really adapted that trip? I'm not too sure, but if they can, and they can do that, the kicking game as well, they've got both styles that can, they can win a World Cup. Yeah, the thing I love about them is they, their game, their natural game is 
built for test matches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's why they always do well at World Cups. Even if they don't win it, they're right in the contest. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, if they can just have that little bit of spice that we have seen in the last 24 months, mm. they, they can match it. And I'm not trying to recover here from my earlier comments, <laughs> but they can match it with the yeah. French and the Irish. Uh, um, and whereas, you know, when we're talking about the All Blacks, if they can match the physicality, we know mm. they are probably, you know, world leading in terms of yeah. that, that X factor. So those two teams and then the unknown, the Wallabies, they're still in this contest, the, the rugby championship sides. Mm. But they're not in terms of the complete package mm. um, that those other two teams are. And just with the South Africans, you always know that they're going to be there physically, just with the sheer size of them. Oh yeah. And you know, so and you know, that's probably one area I think we're not as big. I, I, I just I just say that for my my beliefs around, especially around the contact area and in that area, I think the South Africans are probably just a little bit bigger and around that. So you know, I was talking to Kwaha Smith, um, playing with him, and they talk around that physicality battle. That you know, they're not scared of a France or a, or an Irish in that physicality area. And I'm not to say the All Blacks aren't, but they don't see that as really as a massive issue for them, you know, because that's what they do every single. Time. They love that mindset. Their mindset is they want to, you know, obviously hurt somebody every single time they go into that. So. They've got that physical element. You're just talking to a forward, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, one, of the, that's, one you know, of the smaller forwards doing the rounds, yeah. too. But you know, that, that, that's their mindset when it comes to that. And it's such an important part of Test Match footy. And so, you know, you know that they're going to get that right. It's more so the execution of what their game plan around that looks like. But mm. um, it's tough, man. You know, it's really, really tough when you play the South Africans when they've got their mindset. Yeah, yeah. So do the Aussies have what it takes to beat the Springboks this weekend, considering all of this? It's in South Africa, right? Yeah, they've never won in Pretoria in seven attempts. Uh, they're just such an unknown. It's really hard. Like, I know that's a cop-out, but they are a little bit of an unknown in terms of how they're going to play. Um, I don't think they go in as favourites, but I, I, I don't know. My gut just says um, th- they've, you know, first test both sides a little bit disjointed in terms of that cohesion factor. Mm. If ever there's an opportunity, I think they have to... They have to believe, you know, has Eddie put enough belief in them to do it? Mm. I've, I would have to think yes. Mm. Um, I think it's going to be a lot closer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the Springboks yeah. win. Yeah. I agree as well. Right. I think it'll be a good showing from the Wallabies. But when you talk about the kick game, do the Wallabies need to go shorter with box kicks or are they thinking kicking long in a scenario like this? You can go through, you can go both ways really. Yeah. You know, you can, the, 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 the space that Jip is talking about is that no man's land. It's that kind of 40 to 50 metre or 35 metres where you play in your hand and you're not going to be able to get there. Um, the good teams have the opportunity of knowing which one to use at the right time. Mm. You know, sometimes um, the box kick, you could get a really good execution of a box kick, but you're not getting the 50-50 and winning the ball back. And you're giving the ball to them in the kind of 50-metre zone or their 40. But sometimes it's actually better just kicking long. And if they do get the ball back, you know, for example, this, at, at the moment in the pendulum system, you've obviously got the 10 and the 15 in the back, and there's that middle part of the field that, you know, you saw in Super Rugby and in, in, in rugby right now. If you can get that ball to bounce two two times and they're catching that ball or regathering that ball with, at the 10 metre line of the exit zone and they kick that ball out, that's a 40 metre, 40, 45 metres and you're going to be able to get the ball for a line out strike from there. Yeah. You know, and that's in the same area of the field, but you're getting the ball back on your terms. You're not getting a 50 50 quick two pass like the Chiefs have shown and then they score a try off, they all get um, really good running metres. So. Yeah it's, an, yeah, it's a big part of the game where I think um, the t- things that Eddie's talking about, if they can get that right and that balance, um, it'll be a lot better for them moving forward. I'd love to see them use their, their ability with this 50-22 sort of game. Whether it goes out or it doesn't go out, it doesn't really matter. But going long, mm. 
you know, like less collisions, potentially defence can lift you sometimes. It does give you the ability to conserve energy mm. and the ball travels. You know, the, if there's ever a time to have a long kick mm. strategy, it's, it's definitely now. It will hold up and give you opportunity to compete in the air, but um, I, I think you put all the pressure back on the Springboks yeah. and say, come out of your own half. Yeah, That is the Rugby Championship. From 2026, we're going to have a brand new competition. It doesn't have a name yet. What we know is it's going to be the Six Nations plus the Rugby Championship teams plus a couple of invitational teams coming in to play in the July and November windows. What it looks like, we don't really know yet. I've seen lots of different ideas on this. People, majority from the big nations, are pretty excited about the fact that it's going to be more meaningful and you know there's something really to aim at. And it's only every second year between Lions Tours and World Cups, and you know that's quite cool. I've seen some comments that the smaller, smaller nations are going to get ripped by this um, because you're not getting any promotion relegation until 2030. So I'm interested to hear where you guys come on this. Bryn, what do you think of this new competition? Oh, I think it's great, and I think it gives a meaningful um, times for that July and obviously November period. And you'd like to think that uh, more so for the Northern Hemisphere teams that do come down in that July period, it's in, their it's in the off-season, it's not during their, their, normal, their normal cycle. And they send the lesser teams that do come down, Bar Island, who've previously, and it just shows, you know, when you've got a full team like that, to be able to come into our shores in that period of time and if there's more meaningful reasons for it to add to a point system to see who's the best in the world, then great. Um, but I think to come back to your point around the 2030, might be a little bit too long, I think. Um, it's a long time to get there right for the likes of Georgia. You look at the under-20s and their growth that they've had in their um, professional game and their, in their country to wait for 2030. Um, but I think for the fact that we're talking about it now, that there is an actual plan to be able to get this thing going where um, we've talked about a lot. Around we need to have a world competition to see the best versus the best. And, and now it's great to see it to see a player. I just would like to think um, that it would happen a bit better 2030, that promotion. Bring it back to maybe 2028, two years of being able to run it, yeah. and then get to 2028 where you can start having that promotion between other lesser nations. Yeah, I think don't get fixated on that 2030 because by the sounds, I don't know how much detail there is actually behind all of it. Yeah. Um, so if, you, if we look at world sport, global sport, it's really exciting from a peaked interest point of view to get the top nations playing in something that's meaningful. I think it's it's awesome for the Challenger Series because it's guaranteed test matches. Mm. Yeah. World Rugby are committing to guaranteed test matches so you're getting an opportunity to play more. What I really like, and whenever this is, the promotion relegation, if you use the NBA, look at the, how they've extended their playoffs to that play-in. Yeah, play-in you know, So that it's extra teams, so it keeps that fan engagement. There's something on the line, that play-in. You know, the NFL do it with the wild card. I know Super Rugby's been slated for this eight out of 12 teams, but it's actually great because it keeps you interested. The final mm -hmm. series is... So this is where sport's going. Like, that's what fans are, are wanting. N maybe not everyone, but I, th I think that promotion relegation is going to become a key part of the game and keeping, you know, getting this fan engagement everyone's talking about. So I wouldn't be surprised if you saw it earlier. I think that is, we haven't quite got the detail yeah. yet, mm. and this is worst case scenario. Mm. But I stress again, if you look at the sports, you know, email, we always use America as an example because it's just mm. so big yeah. and they just seem to be ahead of the game. That's where they're at now. Yeah. You know, you have to think, you know, as a game, we're looking at that going, that is, 
That's what the metrics are telling us. Let's get on board and get these fans engaged. And correct me if I'm wrong, Chip, the players have had a massive part in and around being through that process. I know you obviously work for New Zealand Rugby Players Association. Is that how it's been viewed that a lot of players are coming together and talking around having really a massive influence around what's needed in that competition? Yeah, look, I think Conrad Smith's a facilitator. Yeah. Uh, he works for International Rugby Players Association. He's done a fantastic job. Like the amount of calls he organises to get you know guys from all over the world, different nations, to get that sort of you know general theme of what do we want, what do we want to see, what parts of the game, not just this area, mm. but you know shape of the game, all sorts. He does a fantastic job um, for for them and the players, but also the fans to get the players committing to something that is worthwhile but which will mean they're going to turn up and really want to dominate mm. but then also I mean from their point of view they know they've been heard so they they feel like yep. they've had a genuine seat at the table which then again gets better engagement and a better product yeah looking at it the first thing I thought was Lions here becomes a huge opportunity for developing second tier nations or developing traditions of tours with certain countries so obviously France aren't involved in the Lions, whereas you know all of the other nations within the Northern Hemisphere of, of the high standard are. So someone can have France for a three test series every four years, that's amazing. But then someone could have three tests against Samoa or Tonga and they can learn how to build against a decent team through a series instead of having one off here and there, you know, like you can get hit by the All Blacks in a particular place and the next week you can work on it and get better yeah. and find out whether it worked. Like, to me, that seems like the big opportunity, Brent. Oh, I think you, if you're looking around the, the lesser nations, you know, um, especially with how the eligibility rules have all gone and you know, the, the calibre of players that, that are coming to the Samoa, your Tongans, and even at the top nations, you know, some guys are moving to different, to different countries and I think Jip brought up a really good point. It gives them meaningful test matches and windows. It's just not a one-off. Mm. You know, you know. Sometimes you know we get to go to Fiji or we've gone to Samoa. We've played a test match for for an example. It's only one test. You know, it brings a lot of engagement and obviously money in that side. But you know, imagine a three-test series. You know, for Samoa, you know, those countries. Then and you're being able to get the best players that are playing their eligibility through the eligibility laws to play. It's just going to grow the growth of obviously world rugby. And you look at. Obviously, the involvement of the um, the changes around the eligibility, um, and this is obviously forecast for 10, 15 years down down the track. It's only going to make the game bigger with more money, give the those um, lesser populations a lot more opportunity of having exposure at that world level. You know, some people are motion and some people are action. Yeah. And motion are people that plan, but never quite get things done. Whereas action probably don't have a plan, but they just get started and find their way. Like I think we're in that space here. Mm. We've just got to get started. Mm. Yeah. And then I think the, the answer will come out of the back of that rather than thinking about all the worst case scenarios or all the what ifs. Let's just get started, yeah. get this plan in place. And as I, all the things I mentioned before, then these sorts of conversations can, can we make it better? Can we, because everyone wants every team to get better. Yeah. yeah, you know, you don't want six teams just dominating. Now, speaking of building, the Blackfins once again trounced Australia in the the Pack Four series. Women's rugby's got a way to go until that gap is closed across the board. But goodness me, there were some performances in that game from a couple of the Blackfins. One, the young superstar Sylvia Brunt. I know that you absolutely <laughs> love Sylvia Brunt. Well, oh my goodness. She's been showing glimpses of this. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I suppose a couple of bench rolls um, at the World Cup. Um, but she's, she's a power athlete, um, you know, has the ability to have the awareness, I suppose, when there's kick space as well. I thought that was yeah. one of their biggest 
gross. Like the the one thing that excited me about the whole game is it looked like they had improved mm. and, and grown in, in all areas of the game, especially how early early on actually both sides were kicking a lot early on, which yeah. was not what we saw um, you know at the World Cup. So teams uh, um, are evolving, which mm. is exciting. And, and Sylvia is going to be a big part of that. Like mm. she is, and it, you know. I hate doing this to players, but it just makes it easier. But like a Ma'anonu, you know, like she has that complete game. She has the ability to get across the game line and be direct. She has the finesse to put other players away, and she knows when she can use the boot. So, um, and defensively is a is a real presence. So it was it was just exciting. And for the debutants, I thought um, Paul was awesome as well. Chip and chase, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, just it was a really good start. I know we could look at it in the sense that and. Old half glass full over here will always try to take <laughs> take the angle of this, but you know, like there were parts that Wallaroos, you know, did do alright physically and, and made a few inroads, but I do think the Black Ferns had such a complete performance that yep. you know just led to the blowout. Um, yep. There is clearly a gap, but the score probably didn't reflect as how well um, the Black Ferns did on their you know sort of their set phase stuff. But then broken play, um, scramble D, yep. all these sorts of things like that are just effort areas. They they won those. Mm. Those you mentioned the outsides. When I looked at Brunt and you thought about last year with Fitzpatrick and Flula as the midfielders, and now you go, okay, we've got Brunt there. Brooker hasn't even played yet. Mm. Yep. Duplessis on the weekend. It is insane the midfield depth. I think it is, and I think it's just going to show that. Um, this will obviously be happening in the future, but you know, with those girls obviously having other opportunities to go play in other parts of the world and you know, being in that seventh circuit, you're not guaranteed to come back and be in that team, considering you know, they, are, they are now playing meaningful test matches, they're going to Canada, I believe, right? Mm. To be able to play more meaningful test matches and get opportunities at the international level. So I think just coming on from that, like the growth that we've seen um, in this Black Ferns team is only going to continue to keep getting better. I think, you know, with the introduction of Mike Delaney, who played at the Crusaders, has a good rugby brain, and the, what, the culture work that I think oh, Jack, we get it, mate. Steve Jackson will be doing um, with them as well, just from obviously having chat, little chats here and there with them. Um, I guess that the areas that they want to continue to keep working on is that contact area, because I think that contact area has just gotten a lot better in the past 12 months, and that was obviously under the Wayne, Wayne Smith um, regime, but I think it's a continuation. They'll keep getting better. And I think the kicking game as well, I think that's an area you'd like to see that I think will continue to keep getting better in the women's game, because you look at the New Zealander side, you know, Duplessis and the wingers staying higher, and there is a lot of kick space in those kind of wider channels, and so, you know, whether that's your 10, your 12, or your 13, being able to execute those kicks moving forward, I think that's one area that um, they could do, but I think the breakdown area was just, what you could see was very evident, mm. that they were dominating collisions. You look at the two tries that they scored for, for Brunt, the big work that was done up, up front, with the picking goes, the efficiency of the breakdown, to then give the likes of Brunt and the, that outside attack to score tries. Yeah, but I think it was the urgency of the cleaners. Yep. Because I felt like um, the Wallaroos had some good carries, man. Like they got in behind the defensive line. They sometimes broke through, but the separation mm. between the the ball carrier and, and the players that are supposed to be cleaning the ruck was just too far. Mm. Just gave the, the Blackfins far too much time to get over and, and cause defensive hassle. So um, I, I think. Yeah, there would have been a lot of download, and, and I do think the areas you mentioned are continuations, mm. but I think you could see enough that the conversations have definitely been had and they're in yeah. the plan. Execution might not have been there. 
but there's definitely an evolution to this Black Ferns team from what I saw out of that game. Yeah. So when you talk about the, the cleaner alongside the ball carrier, what is the optimal space there to, to be close so enough to affect you? Yeah, yeah, it is close as you can be as long as you're communicating. Yeah. So if, if I'm running a line to commit a defender, I know I'm running a line to commit a defender. I'm not going to get, get held up because then I know that I've got to bust through and clean you. Yeah. Mm. If I'm getting the ball, I've got to be ready to carry, but also the person passing it to me mm. has to be ready to clean. Um, so it's really clear early comms. Yeah. But what I saw is when there were line breaks, you watch any players, like you, if I can just check you and hold you half a second, mm. that gives my teammate half a second longer to get on the ball. And that's what was happening. They were getting checked and they did, the Wallaroos didn't fight through that collision area to, to win the race to the next one. They'd done the good work and got them behind, mm. yeah. but they couldn't take advantage of it. They were yeah. too slow. How clear and early are those comms? Are we talking about before you've got the ball or yeah. as you get yeah. the ball? I think no. it, it's a, it's a, it's a decision-making understanding. You know, so like if it's really good quick ball, you know, if you're talking as, as a pod system, you know, you've probably got you know, a bit of space of their stripper, I'm here. Yep. You've got a bit more width because you're knowing that you're going to have quick ball. It's not going to be a massive line speed that's going to be able to, yeah. to get to you. So the first, the, the ball receiver will be running square and then the tip ball is obviously communicating if they're through a gap. It's a tip call early. Uh, but then obviously in some times, if it's a really good wall and it's really slow, the tip option and being able to stay square probably isn't on and it's more of like a latch and then you're going to get a little bit closer to then try and, you know, carry the ball, the tackler and the guy, sorry, the lady that's going to try and make the secondary hit, you're trying to clean her out and beat her into that space. So again, it's, it's a decision-making thing around what the pitch is in front of you, but I think winning the race is a clear message that you, you said as a, as, a, as a tight forward and being able to get an understanding communication if it's on, if it's not on, then winning that race and trying to beat that second defender that's trying to make the tackle into that space. Ideally, it's happening before you've got the ball, not mm. the final decision. But before you're at the ball, you should be looking up, scanning the defence, okay, they're a bit wide, tips on. Yep. So you're talking, you're talking to your inside player going, stay square, I'm coming on a down line mm. and I'm going through. Or you're going, there's a wall, you come on an out carry and we'll go through together. Yep. It's yep. as simple as that. But you're looking at the defence to see if yep. they're knackered or you know, they're, they're not connected or they're more worried about the backs out the back, you'll, you'll get a feel for it. And the 10 usually, you know, if it's a pivot in behind, can obviously help out with that communication. Sometimes, you know, as forwards, it's tough to do a lot of work and, you know, having a really good 10 or a 12 in behind, you know, the second pivot, the second pod mm. and communicating what's in front of them um, is really important. You look at Richie Moanga and um, Damien McKenzie, for example, the reason why they're getting that ball at their back because they're scanning what's in front of them. If it's not on, carry, win the race. And then obviously outside the 10, you've got your your runners coming on a short ball because then they'll be looking at that fifth, sixth, seventh defender and then giving the micro-communication from there. So there's a lot of moving parts for it, for it to work. And when you're all engaged, it's really hard to defend. It's, it's not acceptable to not have comms though. Like, yeah. yes, yes, you've got work and yes, it's tiring at times, but it's not acceptable to have comms because even if you make the wrong call mm. and you go to it together, mm. then you're more than likely you will survive that collision. Mm. Yeah. But if you're feel like you're tired and you don't communicate and someone's on this page and the other one, you're going to get dominated. Yep. So there is an expectation that you are talking and there will be an overcall. You've just got to be good enough. You know, these are professional rugby players. Yep. They, they, they have to, that is their job. Yeah. And so is it a one word call? Or is it a like is it changes a, between teams? Yeah. yeah, each team will be different. Yeah, because I imagine there's not a lot of time to say I'm coming on a downline. It's more so just one right. word. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it'll yeah, be yeah, like a downline. tip. 
tip. I, I just tip. say downline for, yeah, yeah, yeah. for this, but it'll be tip. Yeah, uh, there's it, different words yeah, for every yeah. team. But the, the, the really good teams uh, are doing the micro comms on the run mm. because you obviously you got to make decisions sometimes. Yeah. You know, you're under fatigue, and especially if you're in that pod, you know, you got to stay square. And sometimes staying square is actually actually pretty hard when the ball's coming at you and you've seen a bit of line speed coming in. Yeah. So the micro comms that you're having in behind that pod, you know, for example, you know, if um, Demont saying hook now out the back now hook, so that's the one where they're using hook now, and then you've got on the outside, you know that that fourth or fifth defender is going to be coming hard. Yeah. It's the person outside that saying. I'm in space, it might be a bang call. Yeah. So um, the Mott's getting the ball, knowing there's a bang call, bang. Yeah. Tip ball right there. Yeah. If there's no communication, she might think, oh, I can see that space, that fifth, sixth defender, but I can't hear the comms that Chip's talking about that's not acceptable. Yeah. You miss out on that opportunity. Yeah. So the good teams are really and good at having micro comms. Because we can see it's on. Yeah. And then no one's there. Yeah. It's yeah. ridiculous. So the micro yeah. comms are really important yeah. in being able to to get it right. I, I actually get anxiety thinking about trying to achieve that. Like, <laughs> it sounds like a lot to take on. But it's repetition, Ross. It is, yeah, but when repetition. you do it every day yeah, it's repetition. of the week yeah. in terms of preparation, yeah. um, and that's why we always talk about, like, if you get that preparation right, mm. you're actually automating everything yeah. in the game. You know, you're not actually having to think. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's second nature to be yeah. having those cons on the run. Like, Bryn and I are running to to the next carry and the ruck hasn't even happened over here and it, look Bryn they're tiring they're tiring yeah. you know or look they're tight and D they're yeah. tight and D let's get on the outside and we lock all those players in so yeah. that we know in the next phase mm. yeah. do you know what I mean so you always yeah. and if you train like that yeah. it just happens and then sometimes as well you know we talk around communication really is important but like the more we talk around co cohesion mm. you almost got an understanding you've played enough footy you know Jipper for example I knew if there was a line break when we were playing for Harbour I knew that he was coming in and you know, I had trust that he was going to find the space. And I didn't even really need to hear him, yeah. but obviously playing footy with him. And it's great that he does get me, but through yeah. the repetition and playing to get him the cohesion, I know that he's going to be there. So that's, you know, obviously the black friends, they're going to have more combinations and getting that continuity together. But um, yeah. the communication time is really, really important. What about roles within the communication? Because obviously you don't want the wrong person calling the wrong thing. Name action. Yeah, name, name action. action. There's a lot of voices that are coming your way. Sometimes, especially off counter-attack or you've made a massive line break, the dominant call is usually always the good one. You know, if I hear Jipper saying to me, you know, Bryn hot or Bryn skip pass or is an action word, then I, it's really clear to me because sometimes some people are just going to go, oh, give me the ball, hot, 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 or this way, this way, this way. But when you hear that name action, which you commonly always been told to, to say to you, yeah. it makes your job a lot easier. That is really interesting. <laughs> um, to get back to the Black Ferns, um, before we move on, they obviously play Canada um, on Sunday in Ottawa. I'd just love to touch on the Australian side again. I mean, we talked about how there'll be some time before they get there. I think it seems to me like one of the key things they face, and I think New Zealand faces this too, is the NRLW. The NRLW offers more money, longer seasons, all of those kind of things. How difficult, Jipper, do you think it's going to be for Australian rugby to secure premium talent when you've got that kind of option there set up and working really nicely? Well, it's no different to the male game. Still yeah. faces, do you know what I mean? That NRL rugby union battle's always going to be there. So it's about being proactive around those pathways and providing the opportunity. But in this current state, um, you know, money talks. Like, it, it's not really a processing or a... Um, this sport versus that, it's about an opportunity to commit full-time mm. um, to, to that team. And that's where I think, you know, you look at the progression of the players, you've got to give a tip of the cap to Opaki, you know, keeping these players. And I know it's not the desired, um, you know, format and long enough, like, we get it. But again, to that sort of motion action, you know, 
It's there at the moment, it's been done, it will evolve, but the players have got yeah. better. Yeah, and I think probably for Australia, it's been able to have that trans-Tasman tournament, I think. You know, we talked about it last year, there's OPIC and we were wanting more meaningful games for the women, and especially getting that Australia-New Zealand, plus the Fiji, as Fijian, Fijian team as well, having more meaningful opportunities to go up against the New Zealand teams. And it's not just, you know, um, an international stage where they look on the weekend, um, probably we're just a little bit underdone, and New Zealand have made massive shifts in the last 12 months. So I think for the growth in around that, um, has been able to get a trans-Tasman tournament. So they're playing New Zealand consistently on a regular basis at the domestic level, um, before internationals. Hopefully that comes off the back of OPICI and it can turn into one mm. decent length. Can't like think so. And I think, that, I think we all know that that's the dream result. Yeah. Um, and there is also reasons why NRLW is paid more because it's a much longer tournament. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it is over a long period of time. So the remuneration, like what you've got to look at with these things is how much time is expected for the remuneration to actually work out where it's actually at in terms of fairness, mm -hmm. um, which I haven't done because it's just come up now, but um, yeah. but I think that would be interesting to see around OPICI and and that NRLW in terms of time commitment versus, um, I suppose, the the, mm. the week to week salary or day to day. Bryn, it's been wonderful having you in the studio. Oh, it's good to be back. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's good to How be many back. weeks have we got you? Uh, I got me for seven. Seven. Oh. for seven weeks, I think. Oh, six, sorry, six. Six. Yeah. six. Man, oh. so. Yeah. No, good to be back, man. It's good to be back. What a treat. Yeah, golf and training. Uh, yeah, yep, it will be. I definitely need to go, need to go play a lot more. So, oh, yeah, yeah. organise a round. Oh, always available, Chip. Yeah. Not just for golf, just to spend time with you as well. Oh, great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. Great. Yeah, well, well, shall we all meet at the 19th? I'll yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, beautiful. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. What about a golf club? Here we come. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, lads. Well, thanks, Chip. Jeez. Thanks, Bryn. Jeez. And thank you very much for tuning in once again to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Get in touch with us, leave a comment in the YouTube section, or send us an email Aotearoa Rugby Pod at sky.co.nz. You can watch us on Sky, watch us at Rugby Pass, watch us on YouTube, catch us an audio pod. We'd like to catch you again next week when we see what happened in the first round of the Rugby Championship. Matewa.